Octa Non Verba is a show that's raw and real, featuring hard-hitting interviews with people that live by the ethos of actions, not words. Marcus Aurelius Anderson is a TEDx speaker, best-selling author, veteran, and leadership and mindset coach. With this show, you get to join Marcus as he goes inside the minds and experiences of the world's most successful warriors, leaders, entrepreneurs, and experts. With each episode, you're going to get the philosophies, concepts, tactics, and strategies these leaders use to turn adversity into victory, to live an extraordinary life based on actions, not words. Now, here's your host, Marcus Aurelius Anderson. Octa non verba is a Latin phrase that means actions and not words. If you want to know what somebody truly believes, don't listen to their words. Instead, observe their actions. I'm Marcus Aurelius Anderson, and my guest today truly embodies that phrase. From five years in prison to scaling a multiple six-figure business, Zachary Babcock helps entrepreneurs launch, grow, and monetize their dominant brands with top-rated podcasts. Zachary has been featured in over 200 shows, and he has interviewed over 200 celebrities and alpha entrepreneurs on Underdog Empowerment, a top-rated podcast. People, his podcast is amazing. I was lucky enough to be a guest on his podcast a couple of years ago, but his episode with Andy Frisella is off the chain. But as I was saying before we hit record, man, the one that you did with Robert Greene, just next level, incredible masterpiece. So impressed with that, man. So if you guys are listening to us now, go listen to that one, go listen to Andy's and subscribe to his podcast because it is incredible content. It's not just with entrepreneurs, but it's with people that are truly making impact with their work. So welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for being here, my friend. Dude, it's a, it's a hell of an introduction, man. I appreciate you. <laughs> it's the <laughs> truth. I have no having... reason to lie to you. I can tell you the truth, man. Hey, likewise, dude, man. It's always a pleasure when I get to jam with you. Thank you for having me, bro. Of course, man. And on Clubhouse, you were just owning that thing. It's incredible. So if you guys want to learn more about him, go to his website, underdogempowerment.com. And we talk about all these different things and you've interviewed all these incredible people. Can you tell me what the underdog empowerment philosophy is? And then we'll talk more about some of the people you've interviewed and some of your journey as well. Yeah, man. Basically, in a nutshell, at its simplest form, underdog empowerment is saying underprivileged is the privilege. Being underprivileged is your privilege. Kind of like how you find your power in your adversity, right? That's something that you know all about. It really is, man. It really is. Whenever you take a perceived weakness and you turn it into your greatest strength. Like I took my perceived weakness of being a six-time felon, did over five years, drug addict, and I turned that into my one of my greatest assets to lead off with and capture people's attention as far as marketing goes. And then they get to know me and see that I'm a real dude and that I care a lot about people and stuff. It's all about taking that and turning it into your greatest power. Yeah. And I've got to meet Zachary in person at the Arte event. Is it two years now? Yeah, man. It's crazy how fast time flies. I know, right? And he's absolutely right. He's a real dude, very approachable. What you see is what you get. And being able to have dinner and spend time with you, man, it was uh, it was incredible getting to see. I love everybody that's in the Arate Syndicate and everybody that's in this environment because everybody wants everybody else to win. And it's like, what can I do for you? How can I help you? Like, Just the amount of information and the goal that you were giving just in a normal conversation, you and I, Tony Watley, it was uh, pretty tremendous. So I can't wait for the next one. There's a lot of powerful people in that position. And I don't just mean powerful, like monetarily, I mean like incredible people that had this powerful energy. 
Yeah, exactly. Real, real motherfuckers. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> it. I absolutely love that idea of this, that underdog empowerment because when you're at that place, it's almost like you're at rock bottom. And so you have no choice other than to just execute violently against the things that you think to be true because you have no fear. You're like, if I try this and I fall down, it doesn't matter. It's like, okay, I just redirect now. I just course correct and keep pushing in this direction. Brian Nabavi talks about that. He's like, man, I don't know what I'm doing, but he didn't know what he was doing even with $300. And now he's turned it into a seven, almost it's going to be an eight figure company this year. So Amen. he's a, he's a big guy on uh, executing. He's like, I don't care if I fall down. I don't care if people laugh at me and the underdog empowerment, like you said, that gives you that courage to push that ability to say, you know what? I don't really care what these people think about me. And by doing that, the rest of society would do that. It would be very different. That's what I love about your podcast here. The whole concept, dude, of action. James Clear, I think, is is the name of the book. Atomic Habits. Oh yeah. Like I've always ha- had that concept, but I didn't. It, it, he just put it in a beautiful way, where he said, you know, some people are in motion and other people are in action, and there's a clear difference. Motion is like the planning, the strategizing, and you know, sometimes you you know you need to do that to an extent, but most people just do that because it's in a, a way for them to avoid taking action and having failure where action is instead of planning the trip you call and you book the flight or instead of planning of what guests you're going to have on your podcast, you send out an email and make the pitch. And so action always dude, one last thing, if, if you don't mind, it reminded me, talks about in that book about those uh, kids with the camera and the instructor gave half the class that said, Hey, you guys, your number one priority is just to get quantity, take as many pictures as you can. If you get a hundred pictures, that's an A. If you get 90, that's a B and so on. And then the other class was like, Hey, you don't have to hit no number. I just want you to give me the most perfected photo you can give. And what happened is the people that were given the quantity took way better pictures than the people that took the perfected one because they didn't spend all this time strategizing. They were just fucking taking pictures and it was action. That's it. And like you said, those are reps, right? Yeah. And I always tell people, because people, when I coach people, they'll be saying, listen, you know, I, I'm not sure what to do next, or I'm not sure what the priority is. And it's like, the answer that they need is hidden in the adversity that they're avoiding, Yeah, which could be making that phone call, sending that email, being real honest with themselves, you know, whatever the case may be. And I love James Clear's idea, that whole idea that the things that are monumental are actually incremental, but it's about being able to take that first step, push that domino, take action and not sit around and talk a bunch of shit about what you're going to do. Cause everybody's going to do a lot of stuff, <laughs> but yeah. how many people are actually out there doing it? So, and you're actually out there doing it. And these people that you've had on your podcast, you've got to meet a lot of them and spend time with them in person as well. Can you tell us about maybe the the top three or four things that come to mind about them. Is there like an overarching like similarity or a pattern that you see within these people? Yeah, there is. And I don't know if I got like the top three, but I know the top one is that they're visionaries and they're very clear about the vision. They know exactly what they designed everything about their whole entire life. Like you walk into Andy's first form or Patrick Bet David's value tainment. And you could just feel the energy and the culture there. You know what I mean? And that was a clear cut of them designing that from top down, like being like, so that's what I picked up on. And I always am trying to duplicate, I guess, or or model 
what these high performers are doing. And so like, I try to do that in my life where like on my phone, for example, and on my vision board, they're very, I have one in my room and then one on my screensaver and all that. And I got clear representations of every single aspect of my life. Like my health, I got my head slapped on this dude's body because I just Googled 210 pounds, uh, 10% body fat, six pack abs. And then I took that photo and put my head on it. And now I know where I'm going in that area of my life and same with my relationships and so on. And it's so weird, bro. You know me, dude. I'm not a a rah-rah kind of dude at all. It's all about action, right? Yeah. But being clear on that vision and knowing exactly where you're going and then just taking steps towards it each day, shit just aligns and then stuff just starts coming your way. It's weird. It's awesome too. Yeah. When we pay attention to our intention, it changes everything. Like you hear conversations that you wouldn't normally hear if you're attuned to it or just like what you're doing. I mean, you're on day three, I'm on day nine, 75 hard. And it's like, I make this decision and I'm committed because there's only one level of commitment that's total, not this half-ass, I'm in or out or half-baked, or I'm going to go until it's difficult. It's like, no, if you're committed to this, you get it done. And then you just start, like you said, when you're executing, all these other things kind of come and they dovetail beautifully to help you get on that way. So many people are chasing all these other things, but I always talk about alignment. And now for aligned, we can run forward so fast and just pick up the stuff as we go, as opposed to, okay, I'm going this direction. I got to stop and I got to turn around. Now I got to backtrack. Now I miss this. Now I forgot this. And now we're just wasting a lot of time, energy and entrepreneurs, young entrepreneurs, they don't understand that they only have a certain amount of energy, a certain amount of enthusiasm, a certain amount of focus on what really matters. So some of them may work their ass off for a year and then burn out when if they have listened to, to people like you and your guests, they could take that six months and get all that done and then really start making some true ground in the process. Amen to that, dude. Dude, what I love most about doing that. So like, it was weird, bro. Like, you know how if if you're in the same environment every single day, you kind of have like the same thoughts or whatnot. Yeah. So I was traveling out to uh, Iowa, just of all places, Iowa. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out to all of our Iowa listeners. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I was traveling out there to speak at uh, at Nate Bailey's event, you know, so I'm on the plane, new place, new thoughts, right? And I'm 30,000 feet in the air and I'm just journaling and I got really clear, man. And it, it was like so simple. It's always the simplest stuff that wins, right? And mine was create the vision, sell the vision and develop the culture. That's all I need to focus on as the CEO of the company, as as the visionary. Everything else, we need to get the right people on board that can handle that role, whatever that may be, whether that's the finance department or if it's our ops guy or if it, whoever, but everybody that holds that shared vision of where we're going, that mission in life, and more importantly than anything else, represents our core values. They hold, they share our core values. And if we hit it right, right there, man, you become an unstoppable force. I agree. And I love what you said about core values because we, we learn about those from Andy and Ed and, and Arate. And it's so important because when you have those core values, whether they be written on a wall or whether they just be something that you're continually reinforcing with them, it's almost like you've given them these instructions. So now, even if you're not there, they know what to do. They know that if one of our core values is to go above and beyond for the client, then even if you're not there and they're like, well, I wonder, I can't get him on the phone or he's in the middle of an interview. It's like, no, they know what they should be doing. They can default down to this 
these things. I should be executing against this. I should be making the priority the priority. I should be going above and beyond for this person to make sure that they over deliver as much as they can. And when you build that into your culture, like you said, people don't understand how powerful our culture is. You were talking about your environment. If I have people that work for me that are not helping motivate me on the days when I'm a little bit low or me watching them get everything together and they've got momentum. Now on the days when maybe I'm a little bit tired or I've got a lot of stuff going on, they can keep me going. It's like, man, yeah, I, I want to be like my employee here. I want to be like the person who's actually doing this. And it, it keeps us continually aware of, like you said, what we should be doing and what the vision is and how to continually just expand on that as much as we can. And why do you think that's so important for these leaders to, to have that knowledge? Because a lot of people think it's about work ethic, it's about grind, and we're talking about actions and not words. But frankly, most entrepreneurs that I know that are successful have the work ethic. But the harder thing for a lot of them is to create that vision. How can they create that vision? What would you say would be the a couple of steps that they could do to actually see what they want to create in their vision? Yeah, man. I can only talk about stuff that I've done that's, you know, was helpful for me. Yeah. So what helped me get really clear on the vision? Because if that's your role in the company, if you are the visionary, if you are the CEO, if you started the company and got it off the ground and now you're starting to bring on people to your team, then that is your responsibility is, is the main thing is, is the visionary, right? So <laughs> what helped me with that and to really get dialed in is starting off with journaling. And I do it where I get really clear in all areas of my life, not even just the company because I'm going to align everything together, you know, and it's not just about the company, even though the company's very important, but I want to make sure that my health is in alignment, that I'm, you know, taking care of that first and foremost, and then my relationships and my lifestyle, and then design the business around the lifestyle instead of designing the lifestyle around the business. But once I got all these pieces figured out and say, this is what I want to spend each day, you know, like, cause for me, I'll tell you right now, I just updated my vision board. I got visual representations and it shows 12 to four is my working hours. And then I took a picture the day I got out of prison. Right. And I'm like standing outside the prison. I got my fists in the air, like a champion or whatever. It was the day I got out in 2014. And I took that and I cropped that out. And then I put both of our company logos because we had two different companies currently in there. And I said, I've completely removed myself from the day-to-day operations that's our number one goal this year is to remove me from the day-to-day operations. Like you said, not because I don't like working, because I, I love working. I love doing what I'm doing. I'm removing myself from the stuff that I shouldn't be doing, even if I can do it. You know what I mean? And that way I can play chess instead of checkers. So for me, journaling, getting really clear in each area of my life, getting it in alignment, also having a strong reason why we're doing it and a clear mission. So for us, it's a 9% recidivism rate or lower in the US nationwide for people coming out of prison. And so we're aligning all of our different companies with our vertical integration to achieve that core mission. So there's a common worthy cause that we're all fighting towards, right? So in order to do that, we're going to need to make a lot of money to support that mission, to help a lot of people out. And so having that mission plus, you know, a clear vision of every aspect journaling all that out and then getting it visual as well has really helped us get really focused. And then we get all that in writing. We got the core values slapped in front office. So everybody knows and we make every single decision based off of those core values. I'm talking about hiring, firing, promoting, recognizing all that. And that's really helped out a ton for us. It's funny. You were talking about journaling when I was at the ROT event, when I was speaking there in Mexico, it was the same thing where being on the beach and getting away from everything 
And then it's like, that's when all that stuff kind of dumps into you and you're, you finally realize a lot of that. And you talk about this in one of your podcasts, you talk about how starting out with the why may not be the best way to get started when it comes to all these things. Can you elaborate that about that? Because there's so many people that that's kind of what they default to, but they don't understand that there's some pitfalls in that. Yeah, dude, I'm so glad you asked that question. I'm, <laughs> I'm literally writing a book about this, dude. Uh, but <laughs> it's such a great concept. So I, at least I feel like it is. So I read the book, Start With Why, and it was an amazing book. Uh, a lot of gems in there, but I felt like the title was shitty because you can't start with why. You know what I mean? Like, how can you start with why and determine why anything's important to you if you first don't know who you are? And it has to start with who, with identity. I mean, think about it. I know this is true with you. I know it's true with me. And I'm pretty sure it's true with everybody tuning in right now. Anytime you made any significant change or evolution in your life, it started with an identity shift. It started like that quote by Henry Ford, whether the, I don't don't know the exact words, but whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right. Cause that's your self image, your, your identity of what you believe. And so when I try to quit smoking cigarettes, I started smoking when I was nine years old, I'm, I'm 32. You know what I'm saying? I smoked for 20 plus years of my life. And every time I tried to quit before people would be like, and help me flesh this concept out. I'm going back to the atomic habits book. He talks about this in there. And I was like, holy shit. And then I started adding my own like philosophy to it. But anytime anybody asked me, Hey, Zach, you want a cigarette? I would always say, no, I'm trying to quit. And that was the identity right there was that, hey, I'm a smoker. I'm just trying to quit, but I'm still a smoker. You know what I'm saying? That's what I identified with in my whole self-image. And then when I got clear and I was like, hey, no, I'm a healthy man. I, I, I do healthy things like not smoking, eat a nutritionally balanced diet, work out, get proper rest, all these things that a healthy person does. And I'm a man of my word and I do what I say I'm going to do. That right there was my identity. And now when people ask me, hey, Zach, do you want a cigarette? I'm like, no, I'm not a smoker. And I got over 10 months of not smoking now, which is the longest that I've ever went in my life because I'm not a smoker, you know? So I'll end it on this. The formula that I've developed, because everybody likes formulas and shit, right? Really just doing the work, right? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Anything anything to avoid actually having to do the work, give it to me. Right. (laughs) And so this simple three-step process. Now, when I say simple though, bro, you already know simple doesn't mean easy. Those are two completely different things. It's simple, but it's fucking hard. All right. It's going to, this is really hard, but it's simple. It's identify. So right now I'm doing it. I identify as a 210 pound, like I talked about earlier, 210 pounds, 10% body fat, six pack abs and optimal health clearly define, identify, right? Now, second step is behave. So I can't just identify and then magically get a six pack, right? I have to behave and do what that guy does. What does he do? He works out five to six times a week. He gets proper rest, eats nutritionally balanced meals, takes supplements, yada, 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 all these things. And so in the process of behaving by reinforcing those habits with the identity, both of those reinforcing each other, the third step is become. And so it's identify, behave, become very simple, not easy though. (laughs) Well, it has to be simple. And people talk about like the 80, 20 principle, right? People look at boxing. There's six punches in boxing, jab, cross, hook, hook, uppercut, uppercut. There's six punches. 
But the punch that knocks everybody out is the right cross. Mm -hmm. So that is simple. But how many different combinations come together to allow that opportunity? So just like what you're talking about, people always say, oh, I was in the right place at the right time. Well, they were, but they failed to see all of the work and all the steps that it took, how many months, years it took to put yourself in a place where now you are in magically in the right place at the right time because you did the work to get there as opposed to acting like you won the lottery or just fell in your lap. You're like, oh, look, this just happened to me. That's not how it goes. And that simplicity is what you have to have, especially in any kind of combat, whether it be boxing, whether it be entrepreneurship, whether it be in life, it's a battlefield. And if you don't see it as such, if you don't see these things as potential threats, you don't have to live in fear, but by God, you better be aware because if not, you are going to get caught. And the punch that knocks everybody out is the one that we don't see coming. Mm. Amen, bro. Right. That's the reality, <laughs> man. And that's what everybody talks about. Your story is so compelling. And I was lucky enough to get to hear it before. Could you tell us about that? I talk about just the adversity and the gift that you found in it. Can you give us a description of what got you to that lowest point and what made you truly begin to change? It actually happened when you were in prison, right? Yeah, two different times. I'll give a Cliff Notes version of it because it's a long story, right? <laughs> have you ever, by the way, side note, have you ever had a, a guest on and you ask them a question and they start talking for 30 minutes? <laughs> <laughs> I have. And then you're like, I'm trying to corral this person and keep them kind of in this area. But it's like, but you want to let them talk too, because lots of times there's gold in there. So yeah, I, I know what you mean. Yeah, it's been quite the skill to develop, but I get it now where I'll just start interjecting and making quick little jokes or like saying something just to keep it, break it up. You know yeah, what I'm saying? But, yeah. but, uh, so <laughs> Cliff, no. <laughs> See what I'm, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you, I could tell you've done this before. <laughs> <laughs> it's not our first rodeo guy. Amen. <laughs> but yeah, man, the first one was, Long story short, I was in prison and I was in the hole, which is the prison inside of prison. And my sister passed away from a heroin overdose. I found out because they brought me in shackles and handcuffs to the captain's office. And he says, your mom called and she had to break into the bathroom with a screwdriver and found your sister dead on the floor with a needle in her arm. Oh my last, God. Yeah, it was crazy, dude. It was the last thing I was expecting. And then they gave me a 30 second phone call to my mom. We're bawling our eyes out and. And they put me back in a cell by myself. And then for the next three days, I'm literally going crazy, bro. I'm thinking about all these voices in my head that, that mean shit that I ever said and did to my sister, the goodbye I'd never get to tell her, just all this shit. And then on that third day, I got lucky because I didn't know anything about self-help or anything. I wasn't reading books at the time. I was you know, 21 years old and I was still in my fuck the world mindset, whatever, back then. Yeah. But I got lucky, man. And I woke up on that third day and I said, and I'm not a religious person, but I believe in God and I'm spiritual. And I said, God, I don't know why I'm still alive, but there's got to be a reason. What can I do right now to find happiness and peace? That question led me to the right answers, you know, because a lot of times in those darkest moments when the shit hits the fan, when the world's crumbling around you, we ask, well, why is this shit always going to happen to me? And that's the wrong question because it gets you to search for the wrong answers. And so I just got lucky and asked the right question. And long story short, very long story short, it helped me develop one of the most detailed routines you've ever can imagine in life. Like OCD don't have shit on this. 
And this routine helped me like, you know, cleaning the cell, deep cleaning, taking care of my health, working out at the same time every day, all this stuff, which gave me freedom in that because of that discipline equals freedom in a place where you wouldn't expect freedom to happen. And uh, it showed me that, hey, right, asking the right questions can get the right answers. And it showed me that no matter what happens to you in life, because shit's going to happen that you can't control, we can always control how we respond to what happens to us. And that gave me freedom in that time. Wow. So prison actually freed you. In the yeah. It's fucking weird, right? Wow. <laughs> it's like all the paradoxes though. You're right. I mean, it's like with me with the gift of adversity, it's like we will fight against something and we'll rail against it for a while. And then we either figure out that this ain't going to change. And if it's not going to change, then we have to change. Or we'll do like what you mentioned before, where we'll just sit there and, and be the victim. Oh, I can't believe this happened to me. You know, I'm a good person. Why this happened? Because I did that. I was like, you know, why I've always gone above and beyond to help other people. And it's like, why am I paralyzed? Why did this happen? And it's like, you know, adversity doesn't care about your opinion. It doesn't give a mm -hmm. shit about what you prefer. It just is. So now what are you going to do? And again, you can either take action or you can spend a lot of time, write a bunch of stuff down as a plan that you will never execute. <laughs> and there is a lot of power in journaling. I absolutely agree. It, and again, it's about that intention and the question that you're asking yourself specifically, because if we don't know what the right question is, like you said, you'll eventually end up with the wrong answers and you'll never mm -hmm. be able to find that place where you can have that perspective and understand what it is. So, and I've talked to a lot of people about this. You and I have been through some hardship, but we see people that get stuck in that victim mindset. Some, something bad happens to them but they are never able to get beyond that. And they just stay there for the rest of their life. And they get like, a, you know, they're living mediocre, like mediocrity and everything from their lifestyle to their, their fitness, to their relationships, to whatever they do to keep themselves distracted. What is it that makes one person stay stuck there and another person go to another level and say, I'm not going to tolerate this. I'm not going to be a victim. What is that in these people? Yeah, dude, I absolutely love that question because it's something that I've been just trying to get to the bottom to because I, I was like, how can I go from being a stone cold drug addict and do all this time in prison to completely shifting my life instantly, making a decision to own the rest of my life in one moment and never you know, go back to that? And then how do some people get stuck? And I'm like, Dude, I, I, I'm still trying to get to the bottom of it. And what I truly believe, at the end of the day, you can't help someone that doesn't want to get help. They have to be open to it first and foremost. But I believe that person that isn't open to it, you got to balance the tough love with the compassion. You know what I mean? Because if you're just always tough loving somebody, maybe that tough love can get them to commit suicide. And you don't want to do that, right? But sometimes they need the tough love and you can't enable them. And so sometimes they do need the compassion to know that you do love and care about them. And so that's a really hard line to determine. And I believe that comes with having empathy and being able to, you know, pick up on that shit from other people. So I think that's the first and foremost, but, but a tool though, that I found useful, at least what helped me make that decision to, to snap out. I remember Waking up when I went back to prison 20 days before my twin sons were born, I'm missing out on their birth. And dude, I couldn't wait to be a father. I grew up without a dad and I used to play football and I used to say, you know, I used to wonder, I used to always see my friend's dad's at practice. And I was like, man, I can't wait to 
I, I, I want to know what, how that feels. And I can't wait to be a dad and, and do that. And side note, I literally just signed up. My boys are, they're turning seven for football out here in Winsville where we just moved to. Yes. And I, yeah. And I applied to be head coach. So that's going to be, it's going to be Huge fucking man. awesome. Amazing. But, uh, but waking up in that, in that cell and I was like, dude, that was like the worst shittiest feeling I've ever felt. Like, cause I couldn't wait to, to be a dad. And so the identity shift happened right there. Like I woke up and I said, this isn't who I am. I'm a good father. I care about my, my kids. I care about my family. You know, I'm not, I'm a good human being. I care about people. I'm not, I'm not a shitty person. And so like it started there for identity, but I also visualized negatively what my life was going to be like if I continued doing the same shit. And that was not in my kid's life, not with my family, with my wife, away from them, either in and out of prison or dead. You know what I'm saying? And I didn't want that. And that was enough pain to get me to realize. And so maybe you can visualize your life. And I'm going to wrap it up with this. Maybe you could visualize your life at the end of your days when you're about to die and say, would I be okay with my life if I keep living the way I am? And if the answer is no, then you need to fucking change and do something to change it. And if the answer is yes, then you're on the right path. You know what I mean? So that doesn't mean that you have to go out and be ultra successful entrepreneur making all this money or whatever. Your perfect life might be 100K a year and having the freedom to spend with your family and stuff. And there's nothing wrong with that. But you got to get clear on what the perfect life for you is. You don't live what society says is what you need to do. It's the, the answer to that is to get clear on what success means to you, not to everybody else. That's absolutely it. For me, when I was in that bed, unable to move for months and being told that this is what I'm going to be like the rest of my life, man, that's what I had was like crazy regret, crazy yeah. regret for all the stuff that I said I was going to do or wanted to do, or even shit that I didn't get to tell people that I'd always wanted to tell them. And it's like, cause I knew that coming from that place of just being in a bed, un unable to move, what I told them now wouldn't have the same significance because it's like, oh, he feels bad about what's going on or, oh, he waited this long. Now it took this to make him say it. It's like, no, I want to be able to say it from a, an able body perspective. I don't want to be that guy that's like, oh, well, because all this bad stuff's happened to me and now I don't have any other choice, I'm going to go ahead and apologize or, or profess my love or whatever it is. And in this life, there are no guarantees and everybody thinks that they have more time. But if you're within the sound of our voice right now, you have to understand there's going to be a time in your life when you can no longer chase after your dreams and aspirations. And that time is approaching a lot faster than you think. So don't think that it's way off in the future. Don't think that you have this expiration date for when you're 95 and you're going to die comfortably in a bed surrounded by your loved ones, because that may not happen. As a matter of fact, it's likely to not be the case. Yep. And if that's the idea, again, you having a second chance, me having a second chance, that's why you hear such urgency in what we're talking about. And you see it in our actions because we know how quickly it can change. And we know how, just like you said, I'm not a shitty person. I just made a shitty decision. But if we aren't aware of what we really want, it's easy to subconsciously make the wrong decision. And now all of a sudden we're going down this path that doesn't serve us or the people that we love or the people that we serve. And if we don't take that kind of responsibility and have urgency and gravity and everything that we do, we will absolutely just meander down the path of least resistance. We'll go on autopilot we will get stuck and then we'll claim that we don't know why, but we do. Mm -hmm. You know, what's so weird, bro. That you just made me think about as you're talking there. I'm like, man, it goes back to the vision, man. Like that's how powerful vision is. I'm not on the woo woo rah rah shit, dude. I don't roll like that. But dude, when I went to prison the first time and, and I was 19 years old, right? 
And dude, I was a dumb kid at that point in my life. Didn't know shit. My vision when I was in jail for six months waiting to get sentenced to go to prison and the whole time in there, like I'd visualize like, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to get tatted out and I'm going to be all like, you know, in shape, six pack, all this shit. And that's exactly what happened. I, I got out and I was like, I'm going to get out. And I'm going to get with all the ladies and chicks and stuff. It's exactly what happened because that was my vision at that time. Yeah. And, you know, also it wasn't clear on like, you know, the type of person I wanted to be and all that. And that's why I also led to a lot of not having direction in other areas of my life. But that was like the only focus I had. And when I got clear on my focus and other areas, like everything that I visualize, it doesn't happen like that. Right. But it's a clear vision of where I'm going and it happens over time. Like, dude, I, I put up a post on Facebook. I had that picture. I, I took a picture of the coach leaning down to his players on the football team and I photoshopped my head on, on the coach's head and I put my son's name on the back of their Jersey. And now we just enrolled them in the fucking, and that was on there for over a year. It was like two years on that board. And now we're enrolling them into football and I applied to be head coach and we'll see if I get the job, but I think it's going to happen, dude. You know, yeah. why not? They, they need strong leadership, especially at that age. And that's the thing too, as leaders, we learn a lot, especially in that position. I mean, you talk about kids, I've got a 19 year old stepdaughter, but I didn't really get to meet her, you know, until she's like already a teenager. So I'm learning as a parent, it's like, Hey, you got thrown into being a, you know, a father of a 16 year old girl, you know, good luck. Go ahead. Is there a manual for this? Nope. Figure it out. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's, I, I can't talk to him. Like I do a client where, you know, you're giving them the power hands, like we're doing this and we're disciplined and we don't compromise. It's like, you have to have that true empathy. You have to have that ability to talk to them and, and have that nurturing, but also like kick them in the ass and tell them you love them at the same time. There's a lot to that. And that complexity is what makes us human. So what works for one person in training one day may not work tomorrow because leadership is, is tough because people are tough because they can change like in an instant. And if we aren't yeah. aware of that, we will get caught doing the same thing. The stuff that worked before we think will always work, but yep. that's not always the case. And so I think you being a coach is going to be tremendous. You're going to learn a lot and it's going to give you, imagine that bond that it's going to create with your boys, right? Yeah, man. I'm excited, dude. I have literally like, that's the most exciting thing I got going. Like there's a lot of shit going on, a lot of good stuff happening in our, in our biz, great things happening, but that by far is like the most exciting thing for me to yeah. be able to, to have that experience with my kids, man. It's going to be awesome. And speaking of business, you're on Clubhouse and you're just owning that environment. Can you kind of give people a couple of ideas of what's the best way to use Clubhouse? How are we able to harness that to, to leverage not only our business, but just to learn from people like yourself? And you're in the rooms with like Dan Fleshman, like all these huge entrepreneurs all the time. Yeah, dude. Now you're going to get me geeking out because it's just, <laughs> I love, no, I you're, love, you're the expert in this, man. I love talking about stuff like this. Yeah, dude. So there's a bunch of stuff that I'm learning that you can be doing. Like, I'm not going to call myself a clubhouse expert because as of right now, I mean, what what's today? The 27th or 28th or something of January at the time of this recording, I've been on clubhouse for one month and since December 22nd of 2020. So I'm not an expert uh, because none of us are because it's too new. But I'm going to share what I've learned that's working really well. I mean, we generated over $12,000 from Clubhouse without even trying. You know what I'm saying? Yep. 17,000 followers in less than 30 days, growing the Instagram over 4,000. Like it's, it's a pretty cool platform. I love it. 
two main things that I would say to focus on mainly is one, have a strong bio and I'll lay out tactical stuff on how you could do that. And then secondly, get really good at networking and building what I call mod alliances, building alliances with people that can bring you up and moderate you, bring you up on stage because that's the name of the game is get up on stage, talk and interject whenever you can have something powerful to say, shut your mouth when you don't. And, uh, <laughs> but just being on stage, it's the same thing in real life. If you're on stage, people are like, damn, that's these automatically it's instant authority builder. So, uh, yeah, that's the name of the game. So you want me to go into some tactical stuff about that? It's up to you, brother. We'd love to hear it though. Your stuff is so valuable. So hell yeah, dude. So the bio, how clubhouse works is you have a mini bio and then a full bio. And so the mini bio is like when you're in a room and I'm trying to explain this, I know it's a podcast and it's more visual, but when you're in a room, if people click on your icon, because you're either on stage or in the audience and that's how the platform works, you can just click on people's picture or whatever. As soon as they click on your picture, it's going to show the mini bio and then it'll show the top three lines. And then I'll have a little thing that says view full profile. So the mini bio literally shows just the top three lines and you want to optimize those top three lines and a quick formula that I'll do. The first line is a pattern interrupt. So mine says uh, real MF or prison to scale and biz. Cause most people are like, you know, real politically correct and like trying to be super polished and shit. Yep. I'm trying to shake up the pattern. I want to be yep. real motherfucker prison to scale and biz it captures attention. Right. Yep. That's first line. Second line is a credibility builder for positioning. So I said, uh, hosted Clubhouse's first ever live podcast. Like, oh, damn, he hosted the first ever live podcast on Clubhouse. And then the third line is I'm opening loops to where you have to hit. If you read it, you have to hit view full profile. So I say people laughed at me until dot, 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 click here. And if they press click, if they press anywhere on that screen, it opens up the full profile. And so if you read that, people laughed at me until what? And you have to click it, right? It's like, damn. <laughs> so it like draws you in. Yeah, man. Yeah. So you want to open that loop and then you close that loop in your full profile, but you want to just keep them curious enough to, that's the whole goal of the mini profile. So view the whole profile and then the full bio, full profile, whatever you want to call it. In there, you want to communicate how you can help people, you know, what you do and how you can help. You want to let them in, you know, more, uh, maybe some personal stuff as far as like your mission and stuff. I say, you know, I'm on a mission to achieve a 9% recidivism rate nationwide in the U.S. So people get like, damn, that's noble. I can dig that. And I like that. You also want to have strong call to actions. Before I even get to that, you also want to include some keywords. So if people type a keyword, you want your profile to, to show up in the search because they do have a search feature and that's really cool. And so I, I had a part in there where I said other stuff I like talking about. And I said entrepreneurship, um, uh, mental toughness. And I listed like five things, not too much, but five other things that I might want to pop up for if people are searching that. And then another thing I said was I host rooms on and I listed the four things that I host rooms on. And that shows people if they want to, that encourages them to follow me or not. You know what I'm saying? But, oh, he hosted rooms on that. I want to hear what he has to say about that. You know? And then last but not least, a strong call to action. So I had call to actions throughout. I had a couple of like three or four of them throughout the bio of different ways, whether, you know, it, whether it was you want to get more involved as far as maybe like a client goes, but nothing like too strong. And then, uh, uh, then other ways to get more involved just as, you know, a follower or a fan or whatnot. And so the very last 
call to action at the end. For me, my main goal on Clubhouse, my main goal is to grow a huge audience of people that love our shit that we can help. Very clear, concise. You know, got the vision dialed in on that, right? Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so the last call to action, it's a very strong call to action. I said, you probably like my Instagram too. Let's connect. And I pointed at my thing. And I, what I did right there is I opened up another loop. I said, you'll probably like my Instagram too. If you read that, you're probably like, well, what's his Instagram about? And it has a thing where you can connect it. And so you just hit the button. It brings you right to my Instagram. And then now I got you over there. And then I got even the funnel on Instagram down. <laughs> that's a whole nother long story. We can get in that if you want, but that's as far as getting your bio dialed in. And then I could talk about my alliances and shit too. No, I think that that's perfect. Again, you always give value. You're just giving it away all the time. You're always trying to educate people and you're really a pioneer. You're really kind of kicking the door down on this stuff. So I think that's enough to get people to not only understand clubhouse, but now follow you and connect to you. And they'll probably like your Instagram also. So if they're not, if they're not, they'll be in there as well. And there's so many people that you've interviewed, you know, over 200 people. And I know that it's like picking your kids, but what are some of the ones that really stand out for you when it comes to that underdog empowerment kind of philosophy? Mm, Man, there's been a lot of good ones. And you know, it's weird. It's not weird, but what's cool is that each interview at that point in time feels like the perfect interview for that point in time. You know what I'm saying? It was like, I do. When I sat down with Andy, I was like, oh my God, it's the best one ever. But when I sat down with Robert Green, I was like, oh my God, it's the best one ever. And it's like, (laughs) they all were just like at the right time and it was exactly what I needed to hear. And so like, you do the same thing. What I use the podcast for is to really build those relationships with people first and foremost. But man, there's so much other things that happen. Like one is interviewing Andy Frisilla. I went in there and I asked some very specific questions. I said, I said this, I said, hey man. We're currently at multi six figure business. We're scaling to seven. When you were in that phase with First Form, what did you focus on as the CEO of First Form to get it to where it is today? And then he broke down how he scaled First Form and stuff. And I'm like, holy shit, this is good stuff, you know? Yeah. And then I t- I started implementing that stuff, you know, so I get to get to use it for mentorship, which is awesome. But uh, man, I'd say. Definitely the second interview with Andy was one of my favorites. The Robert Green was one of my favorites. Yeah. Also Bedros Killian. Oh my God, that was oh, an yeah. all-time good one. Patrick Bet David. Those are probably like my top four. There's been a lot, but those are probably like my top four for me. It's uh my favorite as far as that goes. Well, and I, I like that you made that point. So many people see a person, you know, has at this huge level and they're they're successful, right? Whatever their version of success is. And people think, oh. I'm going to do what they're doing now. But like you said, with Andy, it's like, we can't do what Andy's doing right now. Like right. Andy is, like you said, completely out of the daily operations. He's the visionary, like high visionary, like way, way up there, like three or four moves ahead. And if you guys aren't following Andy or haven't listened to his podcast, everything that he does is intentional. Nothing is accidental. Nothing superfluous. Everything has a specific intention. And I mean that when he puts it out there, he's trying to help you see the point or he's trying to evoke emotion in you to take action as opposed to just, here's a funny meme and here's this and here's this. So it there's a lot of intentionality behind it from learning from him. But like you said, the stuff that he did to scale from six to seven figures is not necessarily what he's doing now. So you're able to get in on that kind of ground floor and see, oh, he was doing this. Oh, he was grinding, you know, 16 hour days. Or maybe at that point, he was only doing four hour days to allow him to have the capacity to start seeing what he really needed to do because in business, it's very easy for us to get caught up in the minutia of the day to day. 
to, to get caught up in the, okay, here's my power list. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to push this out. I have another workout, whatever it is. But if we don't have, again, back to your, your point of the vision, it's easy for us to not even know where we're going. Like if I have a map and you don't even tell me what direction North is, I'm, I'm kind of screwed. Like I might have an idea. I can turn left. I can turn right. I can turn here. But if I don't know what the vision is or where that true North is, I'm always going to be stuck. I'm always going to be questioning myself, which when we question what we're doing, it's hard to really give a hundred percent of what we actually have. And if we subconsciously hold back, then that what's that do that breeds disbelief that goes back into all those loops that you were talking about before, where by knowing what's really important, by knowing who the fuck you are, you can understand what the why really is, as opposed to trying to make somebody else's why or what other people think that your why should be is. Amen, dude. Oh, you just put that so beautifully, by the way. Like, like that was like Dave Tovin. Like, like, dude, like it was, it was, it was, <laughs> you articulated that. That was a uh, pretty gangster right there. Uh, thank you, brother. I, I should be a speaker or something, right? It's, you I'm going to write be. a book one of these days. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, dude. Hey, uh, can I piggyback on that too? Yeah, bring it. With that, man. Like, dude, like literally, if you haven't done it, this might sound like, yeah, whatever. I could be doing a million other more impactful moving the needle things, but dude, this is the hands down the most impactful moving the needle thing you could do period. And it's literally like you said, man, that clear cut vision and then your core values. And those are your guiding, your North stars, dude, you're going to get to a point if you're not already there where all these opportunities are presenting themselves and you're not going to be able to take all of them. And you're going to be able to use that like hey does this align with our core mission of where we're going and our vision of what we're doing and also does it align with who we are more importantly of how you know what we stand for and what we don't stand for man it's so powerful dude it makes decision making simpler it it takes a lot of that hard stuff out because yeah you still might have to make some hard decisions might have to tell people no when you don't want to but you know you're doing it from a place of alignment with where you're going and what you're all about and so, man, I couldn't stress that enough, man. Having those two things in place, man, it gives you a source of power. It does. And, and here's the thing. In this life, you either decide what you truly want or you become the result of somebody else's decision. That's it. <sighs> yeah. Right? So if you're not making that vision of what the hell you really want, you'll never know. And that's why I love your podcast, your vision, the way that you're helping people. How can our listeners learn more about you? How can they get help from you? Where would you send them? I'd uh, appreciate that, man. Definitely uh, underdogempowerment.com. That's where the podcast is. The yeah. podcast is definitely the best place to go. Uh, obviously, because I'm super passionate about podcasts. <laughs> but yeah, man, if you ever need help with podcasting, you want to talk more about that, podcastpowertrain.com is our company website. But definitely go to underdogempowerment.com and check out the podcast. That's something that I love putting out there, man. And he gives out incredible I hate the word value because people use it so much that it doesn't mean anything, Yeah, (laughs) but like he gives out real tactical stuff that works. I mean, he literally has a podcast that tells you how to get ranked as a podcast, like tells you (laughs) all the steps that people are going to try to sell you. And he just gives it to you because it shows one, he knows what the hell he's talking about. But two, if he has that amount of knowledge, imagine all the other stuff, like he's literally forgotten about more about podcasting than I've ever learned in, in the process. So this is the guy, this is the, the person who's the expert in it. And if you really want to take your business or your life or your message to another level, you've got to get into podcasting because if it's not for this, 
you'll just you'll be a, a small town hero. It's like, yeah, everybody will be impressed by you. But by pushing that button and hit record, his podcast has been downloaded hundreds of thousands of times. And that's hundreds of thousands of lives that he's able to change with that message. So thank mm-hmm. you for what you do, brother. Thank you for being here. I want to be respectful of your time. I know you got another workout to probably get into and uh, finish <laughs> that water. So uh, any parting words for our guests, man, thank you again so much for what you're doing and for being true. People need this message. They need to see everybody's like, oh, I have to do this. And I have to have like this positive mindset all the time. It's like, no, you can succeed the way you are. You don't have to change into this perfect thing. Of course, we all want to change and, and get better, but where you are right now, you can succeed if you're able to to put these things into play that he's already been mentioning. Dude, I appreciate you so much. For real. I'm not just fucking saying that. Like we we jam, bro. Yeah. Um <laughs> on some real shit. Yeah. But um exactly what you just said. You got everything in you right now. You are the person you need to be right now to go out and do the things you need to do. And the best thing, my parting advice or my parting words would be done is better than perfect. Do the shit. You can, dude, with everything in life, done is better than perfect. You can do it, learn and iterate and change and morph and adapt as you go, but you're never, you just got to do it. Action, action over everything, man. Every time. These not words, my friend. Thank you, Zach Babcock. We'll talk to you soon, brother. Thank you. My man, appreciate you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Okta Nonverba. This message resonates with you. Please share it out with others on social media. Hit that subscribe button and leave a review for the show anywhere you listen to podcasts. To learn more, please go to MarcusAureliusAnderson.com and join his Octa Nonverba Inner Circle to get exclusive content, news, and information. Until next time, remember talk is cheap. Live your life based on actions, not words.